tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make that call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, does Ireland need to do more for Ukrainian refugees? Diesel is now at its uh, second highest monthly average on record, can you believe? Are COVID vaccines on the way for Irish babies? We have legal matters with John Lynch of Lynch Solicitors and the singer Martin Cosgrave will be with us live in studio to talk to us about blended uh, families. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Martin is a, a great old friend of mine. You can text and WhatsApp. 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com and we're always glad to hear from you. Now, the Ukrainian ambassador to Ireland has said the lack of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees coming to Ireland is unacceptable. Larissa Garasco has said the situation in Ireland with accommodation was very worrying indeed. Her own Katie O'Donovan was out and about yesterday to ask the people of Tipperary how they felt about this. I think it's a fair comment. Um, I think we have a, a duty to look after refugees, in, in, particularly in the circumstances where they're fleeing the war. And just not Ukrainians, but people are generally fleeing war zones. And uh, as, a, as a nation, we have, we've had the benefit of um, being looked after ourselves. So I would be absolutely committed to um, looking after refugees from wherever they come. No, I think they're very unfair, to be honest. Um, to be honest, we've enough homeless ourselves that we need to look after first. Um, yeah, I understand they are going through a tough time at the moment. Um, but however, if you look on any of the holiday um, destinations in, in the Ukraine, um, at the moment there's 15,000 Airbnb houses advertised in, in western and in southern Ukraine. Um, there's also several hotels advertising, which I'm, I'm sure they could house their own um, if you were to look um, into it. But again, I understand they are, they are in a position that they do need help, but we also have a lot of our own locals who also need help, which I think should come first. I think we should be doing more for the refugees from Ukraine, making more houses available. There's so many holiday homes in particular that's not occupied. They should be given. And um, a Ukraine man say that he had to sleep in Dublin Airport last week or something because they know where to put him. But sure, he doesn't even need to be here anyway. Their country is safe. Like, do you know, it's like, it's not going on really anymore. Like, is it? I don't well, really we know. don't hear about it anymore. Yeah. Look, I suppose we're under pressure for housing. That's the problem. I mean, every place is full. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can t- we're taking as many as we can, I think, to be honest with you. You know, for, unless we can start up more accommodation, there's no point more than coming. I mean, they're more than welcome here. I mean, it's. I mean, it's a terrible thing what's happening in Ukraine, but we just don't have the accommodation, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's enough. Enough. You know, people are helping, you know, donating and everything, so that helps them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone will need a help, you know, if they were travelling to other country, like, and there's a war, you know. So, yeah, that's enough help. Doing quite a lot, as much as we can. I think it's a real struggle, but um, to try and accommodate people, obviously, we want to. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing a lot. But there's always more that can be done, I suppose. I think they're doing the very best they can because uh, to find accommodation for them and even 
But we can't be selfish without sincerity. We need to look after our own people as well. But of course, people who are like the Ukrainians, they certainly need help. You know, and people can't turn their back on them. But if too many people come in, will the country be able to really look after? That's my feeling. We're doing way too much. They won't, they won't house their own people around the town. They're taking in the Ukrainians. And Michal Martin is, he'll take in more and more Ukrainians and know where to put them. And their own people on the streets are. That's our Katie O'Donovan out and about for us yesterday. Rather mixed reaction there. And Teresa joins me now. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. You think this is a kick in the behind to Irish people? Yes, I do. Because, I mean, she came out and said straight out that we're not doing enough. Now, I often say eating bread is soon forgotten. And the reason why I say that, we put convoys out to the Ukraine, lorries, loads of food, the whole lot, our own people out and went with their own lives, went out to help. Now, we were taking in what we have in. And look, I look ahead... Look after them first before bringing in any more. I'm not racist by no means. I've helped out the Ukraines. But listening to her yesterday, she really insulted the Irish people. I mean, how dare she say that we should do more? I don't think any other country in the world would have done what we have done so far to help them. She said the government's failure to uh, provide accommodation to all of the incoming refugees was unacceptable. Well, what does she want to do? If they're unacceptable, it's an easy answer. Leave them where they are. I'm not being rude in this answer. We have enough to deal with, even our own Irish. I think if we deal internal with what we have in time to come, we will have more to deal with. But at the moment, we just can't. Do you accept what Micheál Martin says, that Ireland has a legal and moral obligation to accommodate all the people arriving in Ireland from Ukraine? Do you, do you go along with that? Well, I think he has a legal obligation to accommodate the Irish people in Ireland first, as charity begins at home, before he accommodates anyone else. And that hasn't been done. That is not being done by no means. As I said before, how many families are on the threshold of trying to keep their accommodation, their own houses going. And I see today the mortgage interest has gone up by 75%, yeah. which is a €600 Euro per year cost again. I mean, we're, we're, at, we're at our wit's end. I think Michal Martin needs to get out among Irish people and among the Ukraine people and realise what is there. It looks as if Ireland is going to be put into a civil war. We're going to fight against each other when we shouldn't be. But people are getting racist because they feel they're being treated wrong. And I mean, that's the way mm. I look at it. And that, that's very serious. Do you think people will become very divided about this? And, and that would be dangerous, wouldn't it? Friend, they're already divided. Are they? Dear, there's an awful lot of people at this moment saying, why are we doing this so much? That we're happy to take so many and deal with so many and get them sorted. But now there's so many coming in and our own Irish are there. There were 70 people in Ireland died homeless on the streets this year. Yeah. I mean, look, if we don't look 
what's here. How can we look after someone else? Somebody else making the point to me as well, Teresa, and I love your opinion on this, that now the local authorities will be obliged to find accommodation and maybe look at those houses that have been vacant for many, many years. But we've all been crying out at them to do that anyway. But now there seems to be a, a genuine push on this. Yeah, but why the push is now? That should have been done 10 years ago in Ireland when people were trying to get in the property ladder. It should have been this done is, anyway, you're saying? Yes, it? it should have been done automatically. And it shows how badly the government is running the country. That it takes people to come in from Europe and refugees to get um, to do this. Right. Why wasn't it done when we had the chance of doing it? How's our own? And then we'd have room for her, for the other people coming right. in. And I, I just want to point out again, Teresa, just in your own favour, that you're talking to me openly about this, but you're somebody who would have supported Ukrainian people. You would have uh, given money towards them coming here. You would have... You, I, I mean, have friends, yes. Yeah, this, this isn't somebody who's against Ukrainian people Not or anything like that. in the slightest. Okay. I'm not against anyone coming in. Yes. But I do say what we need to do is sort out what's in... Yes. And get them sorted out and maybe then further on the line take in more. At the moment we can't. Yes, because we, we are taking in people now and there's no bed for them. So that's Exactly. Yeah. I mean even our own Irish there's no bed for our own Irish. Don't get me wrong, I'm not racist by no means. But I mean I'm a person that sees what's on the street. I'm a person that walks among the Irish people and among the Ukraine people. And I can see what each needs. No one needs to be in a shelter like what they are. They do deserve a house, the same as anyone else, but so do us Irish. Can I ask you something? Uh, the teacher now is talking about increasing the monthly payment given to households who will accommodate Ukrainians from 400 to 800 euro. Do you think that will work? And for example, would you take in Ukrainians into your home for that much money? No, friend, I would not because I wouldn't have the space, number one. Right. And I wouldn't do it either, number two. If he can put an extra 400 quid up to 800 quid a week, why can't he put that into building houses instead of giving it? All right. Stay with me there for a moment, Teresa, if you would, because James is joining us. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Fred. How are you? I'm good to talk to you today. What about your reaction to the Ukrainian ambassador's uh, comments, James? I think it was completely out, out of line. Um, sounded very, very ungrateful. Um, I don't think we can do any more than um, what we have done. Um, Has it? Do you think it's damaged people's attitude as well to Ukrainians to some? Oh, degree? I, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, we've we've taken in what close on sixty thousand. Just just under sixty thousand, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and I mean, it, it comes to a point when you just say, "Look, we've reached capacity here." Uh, there's not much more we can do. Uh, the accommodation just isn't there. And uh, it just has to come to stop and say, look, we've, we've done what we can do. And what do you make of that point that I made to uh, Teresa there, that uh, Michal Martin is saying that we have a legal and a moral obligation to continue to accommodate uh, people coming in here from Ukraine? Uh, that's okay in theory, but I mean, uh, if the accommodation isn't there, um, what, what can you do? Um, my my own, and I've been thinking about this, Fred, is um, the churches uh, are staying very, very silent in this. Uh, we've lots of, um, you know, the, the number of priests that has dwindled in, in, in this country, as you know, yeah, yeah. Um, which means, that, I mean, take my own parish. I won't even tell you where I am, but okay. um, we've one parish priest, right? 
yeah. two we've two uh, priest houses. Now, wow. That second house has never been offered up for the Ukrainians, never been off, offered up for the homeless in Ireland here. That's a, uh, that's a very the, good point. Yeah, yeah. The, and that's all over the country, Fran, you know what I mean? Um, you, you have cases there in some parishes, you know, it might, might be larger parishes, and you could have maybe two or three priests, and, 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 and they've each got a house each. It doesn't make sense. So, and are you saying that there's some sort of a, a moral obligation, I suppose, on the church to to put up here? Well, yeah, absolutely. They've they've been uh, extremely silent on on the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I haven't never heard of any 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 um, members of the church, you know, offering up accommodation. Yeah. You know, there's a, a lot of space in churches, some of the bigger churches as well, in terms of being some sort of a halfway house, I suppose, for... The, the actual church itself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I wouldn't agree with, no, friend. Would you not? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, uh, there are places of worship and should be, should be kept, as, kept as such. I mean... Well, from a um, Christian a Christian point of view, though, you know, I mean, if people are stuck for somewhere to go, uh, surely they should be embraced into the... Yeah, you know, yeah the, it's, it's the a heart problem of we've, Christianity. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a problem we've created by by uh, just um, going gung ho and just taking refugees yes. in all, all the time. Like, as you I say, see, the you, danger is, were you, were you a little bit reticent about talking to me, James? Because sometimes if you speak out like you and Teresa, and you're you're seen to be racist in some way, you're seen to be anti-Ukrainian. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, because uh, like like Teresa, there now, I, I'm actually even. Reluctant to, to bring up um, our own homeless cases here in Ireland because you know you don't want to you don't want to have a case of them and us kind yeah. of thing. But yeah. I mean, it's it's a serious situation, and um, you, you know the, the, the way the, the government responded. First of all, when we were taking the Ukrainians, you'd wonder why didn't they do that uh, for our own homeless people? And why do you think that is? I mean. You know, um, they're, they're they're getting very creative about this in terms of housing yeah, I, people. And I, I might be slightly cynical, um, Fran, but I I think the government are probably getting some sort of payment from from the EU to do this. I, I could be wrong. Well, we we budgeted to, uh, to do this, and it's going to cost. I, I think, if memory serves me correct, a couple of billion, as far as I know. Um, well, at least. I, I I know that the hotels are getting huge money. Huge, huge money, money. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so much so that it's it's profitable for them, in fact, to, to do this. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and there's been cases of, of uh, private nursing homes. Um, uh, yes. No longer doing nursing homes because it's more profitable now to take in uh, yes. refugees. And it's easier from a HICWA point of view as well. They don't probably have to have that standard of care that they might have if it was a nursing home. Yeah, um, yeah. Where are we going with it, do you think? Because this isn't going to last a few weeks now. This is, I mean, I think this is pretty long-term stuff, James. I, I, I think so too. I, I mean, there, there was um, the idea, first of all, you know, when, you know, it might last five or six months or something like that. Uh, you know, it was never going to be that 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 quick, you know, but yeah, this this to me seems long term. Yeah, Teresa, what about that long term? I mean, this isn't going to be as we might have thought at the beginning, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is the real deal. It is long term, and I can see that. But look, at the same time, how much long term can we put up with as an Irish people? 
I mean, I'm not racist by no means, and I've helped out any place I could help out. But at this stage, it's looked like they're making the likes of me racist. Because I'm here and I'm seeing the side of what you're trying to do, and the government's still bringing in, and then the Irish people kind of turn on the, the Ukrainians or whatever, and the Ukrainians turn back on the Irish. I mean, that's what I exactly seen with the lady yesterday when she spoke. I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I was brought down to nothing. When I look at what we all we have done for them, that sounded to me racist, the way she says how, you know, you're not doing enough. I mean, what does yeah. he actually want us to do, well, apart from what we're doing? I, I, I have to interject there and say, you know, some of this could be lost in translation as well, in that, you know, maybe it was put in a clumsy fashion, indeed. Because I think what she might have meant was that maybe we need to let the Ukrainian people know that they won't exactly be in the lap of luxury when they get here. And in fact, they might even have a bed. Maybe we need to let them know that. I do agree. Maybe that does need to be done on the far side. But Fran, coming out with a statement like that to a, to an open press, to an open nationality, surely to God she got some bit of recommendation to correct her words right and proper. Well, she was making the point, and it's an interesting one, that some of these people would have sold maybe their belongings, bought tickets, one-way tickets, arrived in Ireland thinking that they might be looked after, and then, you know, an absence of accommodation... I totally agree with you, and which isn't fair to them. Yeah. So why isn't the Irish government standing up and saying, lads, we can't accommodate any more for the moment. Please let us deal with what we have here in Ireland, and then we'll talk further down the line. But, uh, James, are they doing that by stealth now to some degree, in that if they let Ukrainian people know that there mightn't be accommodation for them, it might stem the tide of people coming here? Is, they, is that behind this to some degree, do you think? In other words, we're not saying no, but we're putting it out there that we have a shortage. Yeah, yeah, that, that needs to be put out there, Fran, definitely. Yeah. Um, there needs to be more scrutiny, too, on, on the actual refugees coming in. Um, because not, not all the refugees coming in from Ukraine are actually from the war-torn part of the country. And what are you reading into that now? Um... Probably what you were hinting at there a few minutes ago, that, you know, they're, they're probably they come to the land of milk and honey, you know what I mean? And, so they, um, they might be more economic refugees. Yeah, is, absolutely, is, is, is yeah. Uh, but under the umbrella of, of um, uh, you know, more refugees. Yeah. Um, uh, Teresa, do you have any thoughts on uh, a discussion that we had last week and it got people very heated, which is that maybe Simon Coveney in particular is speaking about neutrality and the like. A lot of people concerns that, you know, we don't want to give up our neutrality. We don't want to see our young men and women marching off to some foreign war somewhere. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I quite agree. We don't want to. I think we have enough of our Irish gone out, out of Ireland to give work anyhow. I mean, there isn't much of the Irish left here anymore, to be honest. And all you do is look at GAAs or any of them trying to build up a team to hurl or do whatever they have to do. I mean, oh, we've lost an awful amount of Irish from hospitals to nurses to doctors to whole lot. So how are we going to, you know what I mean, manage it to have the neutrality correct and right? Um, what about you on neutrality, James? How do you feel about that? Uh, I think we've not a choice only to stay neutral. 
Um, number one, we, we just don't have the resources. Mm. But are we not chipping away at our neutrality? I mean, I know that uh, the money that we provided for the Ukrainian um, defence against Russia was supposed to be for non-lethal weaponry, but at the end of the day, we are supporting a war to some degree, aren't we? Uh, well, I suppose we have been for years, not, not just the Ukrainian. I mean, we're allowing Shannon to be used as a stopover for American... So how neutral uh, are we, I suppose? Well, exactly. We're, we're neutral in name and neutral in resources because, I mean, how many, how many, how many Navy boats have we got? Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's laughable, really. Um, our Air Force must be, you know, yeah. uh, next to nothing. Um, so we've not a choice on this. They're neutral. And I, I know, I, I think Simon Coveney is just trying to be... Um, I don't know, just answering to, to, to Europe and just saying, yeah, yeah, we're all in this together. But we, we don't have the resources. All right. Well, uh, James and Teresa, really good to talk to you both today and we appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you. Good morning to you. How do you feel about that? 1800 We'd particularly like to hear from somebody who believes that we should be doing more for the refugees, that we should be looking after them better, with maybe a better quality of uh, accommodation, and uh, that we should continue to take them in because we're obliged morally and uh, to some degree, I suppose, legally as well. So I'm just wondering how you feel about that, and if somebody is of that mind, we'd like to hear from you. 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie um, One of our listeners wondering, is the €800 Euro to take in Ukrainian families tax-free? Well, my understanding is that the €400 Euro certainly was... Um, a tax-free payment. So I'm presuming that the €800 Euro will be as well. By the way, I think I think it was Senator Garrett O'Hare and I was speaking to there some time ago about the modular housing um, a promise for refugees in Thurles and seemingly that hasn't even started yet. And uh, councillors have not been informed about when um, the modular housing uh, project will start. Now that's despite assurances that the modular units would be uh, operational before the end of the year, but there appears to be no move on that uh, as yet. Uh, 083 311 3311. Diesel is now at its uh, second highest monthly average price on record. The latest fuel price survey from AA Ireland shows diesel has increased by 10 cent a litre in the past week alone. Peter joins me now. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Fran. How are you this morning? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You were making some interesting points about the difference between petrol and diesel, in fact, Peter. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of different things. Like petrol and diesel. Petrol is um, a cleaner fuel. It costs mm. more to produce. Yeah. And diesel is 20, what, 24 cents um, a litre dearer than it now. Uh, and what, know, what, what are yeah. you reading into that, Peter? What? Well, I think this is a, probably a major plan 
to get to get us all to get rid of our vehicles and go electric, but sure we can't go electric because we have no facilities and our electrics were told to turn off our lights and turn out our switches and now they're telling us plug in our cars. Um, even even though the, we may be in a situation where we haven't enough electricity this year to go around. But sure we know we haven't, like, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, like, it's, we, we don't have enough electricity and we should have enough of diesel because there's a 2% levy on us all to keep us our storage, keep our supplies up. So is that there? Or is this levy just being, are we just being conned or what's going on, don't you know? Yeah, I, I, when I knew you were coming on, I just had a look at this and it's thought that the surplus in petrol production and a deficit in the diesel production is accounting for the difference in the prices because I think uh, diesel... Um, is still coming from Russia, as far as I know. So there's an issue there as well, you know. Well, yeah, but see, Russia, Russia, like, okay, they're playing for Everton now, but uh, that's fine. There's a war on European. We are getting the European slant on it all, which is okay. That's that's fair enough. But um, the Russians, the diesel has come from Russia at probably less than a euro a litre. How is it ending up on our pumps at two? 24 at least. Well, of course, the government is taking a huge whack of yeah, that. Yeah, 47.5% the government are saying. Is that what it is? Yeah. Wow. That's in diesel and they're taking 62.7 or something in petrol. Right, so even when they give a few bob off, um, really, at the end of the day, they're they're making huge profits on, on the, fuel. The savage profits. Every time we fill up, uh, the government were giving them... 50%. And that's only for in fuel. Taxes, yeah. That's just fuel. Like, we also have to have our vehicle taxed to drive the roads that are meant to be drivable. And and many we, of them not. Well, you know yourself. Okay. Go off the main roads and, and tis, tis just like good uh, cattle tracks. Like, do, you know, do like you think, I, Peter, it, are people profiteering then? Is that the point you're making to me? Profiteering out of, I, I suppose... I, to me, it looks like that the government are, are profiteering because, um, like, they give, what, 20 cents a litre off yeah. um, there a couple of weeks ago on the budget. And yeah. now we're still up to 124. So put that 20 pence back on. We'd be at 144. These, they, they are 244. The dearest diesel in the world. Well, perhaps from Hong Kong, like, which is probably yeah. four and a half um, euros a litre. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. Like, you can go to the north of Ireland and 174 is today's prices um, for a litre of diesel. And you think this is down to government taxation on, on, on fuel, basically? Well, it is, because something has to pay for everything else. And and who are they expecting to pay for this? Is the person that has to sit into their car or their van and go to work. Mm. And when you do that, you have to pull up at the filling station and you're being screwed. Yeah. If the government wants to get this country up and running properly again, let the people that are trying to earn the few pounds to run the country give them a break. You know, get stop putting on tax after tax after tax. Yeah, because if you if you drive a diesel car as I do uh, to work, for example, diesel is now thirty percent more expensive than this month last year. Yeah, thirty percent. Yes, like. Can you, uh, me, did you get 30% of a raise? Were yes. you able to do don't, that? Don't mention, the, because, don't mention the yeah. war, Peter. Yes, because <laughs> I certainly can. Because if I try to pass that on, then yes. people look at me as if I'm a total robber. Like, I have to really watch now about when I go to collect material in that. Because 
collecting a bit of material now is costing 50 euro on diesel. I know, yeah. Because you're driving down the road and by the time you get back, what you put in on the way is gone again. And like you don't want to pass that on because the people that you work with are as caught up as the rest of us trying to make a living. But it's, there's no break at all for the working man. That's, that's the biggest issue I have yeah. because it's every tax, tax, tax. And um, everything we do is just add more. Right. And what about these one-off payments for like electricity and the like? Is that any help, do you think? If, of course, there's a help for the one-off bill, but by the time you get to the supermarket and that, these, like the double week they gave last week to some people or whatever, so that'll be that'll be all gone again in the, when you go to the supermarket because it costs extra money now to bring the vegetables, to bring the bread, to bring everything. Well, Until it, they get the, the, the road, the haulage and the road and the petrol and diesel and everything to somewhere that people can afford this. And that'll start the force to keep the prices down, you know. Just to depress people, energy costs up 35%, transport costs in general up 12%, clothing up 7%, food 2.4%. Mm. It's it's uh, it's depressing, isn't it? Well, it, it it is, because when you look out, well, like anyone that's outside this morning, we know it's lashing way yeah. down our head as well. And yeah. the sky is after closing in on us, so it's um, it's not very, it's, yeah, it's... it's if to the middle of summer they will tell us this stuff that diesel has gone up another 20 uh, cents a litre it might encourage you to get up out of bed in the morning and go out and try to mm. make a living and it but and finally can I put it to you Peter yeah. that okay um, let me put possibly what, what the government argument would be to you that you know mm. global affairs are influencing all of these high prices and you know there's sort of general global recession Um and and that it's not all our government's fault. It's not our our fault here. What what? How would you answer that? To the well, any time I've ever driven the roads of Europe, they're smashing, and their diesel prices are lower than ours. So I have no problem paying proper the highest price in Europe if we were getting the best of roads and the best of of, of conditions like that. But we're not. We are spending this money on something else. Um, and they're not being fair to us. They're not telling us where our money is going. Like, I'd have no problem paying tax for my van or my car or whatever if that money was going into what it was meant to be going into. Stay with me there for a moment, Peter, because Willie is joining us now. Willie, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? And good, good, good to talk to you today. Um, you think that it may be cheaper in some European countries, but they pay more in taxes and tolls and the like. Is that right? Once you look, and it's all about perspective. Yeah, you, you compare apples with oranges, you're not exactly comparing like with like. I mean, I was we were we had a short family holiday in Spain there this year, early on in August. And yeah, fuel was dear here at the time. It was two euro there, thereabouts. And I just know we had a higher car. It was 180 or so out there. But it just struck me so obviously. Like we had an 80 kilometer run back to the airport. We probably burned a tenner's worth of fuel. There were two tolls on the motorway for cars. Four euro twenty each. We spent eight euro forty to use eighty kilometres worth of motorway. And you know, your last, your the other guy who was on there just before me is talking about some Nirvana in European countries and and it's great roads and cheap fuel. It's not. I mean, that's complete and utter bogus. Right, but Peter's point was that we're still paying extremely high taxes here in general 
Um, yeah. um, uh, but we're not getting uh, decent roads and we're not getting decent services. Well, look, Brian, you, you, did, you did mention um, Russia and all the rest of it, but let's, let's be realistic about this. I mean, I just had a look at European fuel prices there for a few minutes this morning. Yeah. yeah Norway, which is a major oil-producing country itself, it has the oil wells, it has the refinery. Mm-hmm. Fuel prices in Norway are €2.40 at the moment. I mean, that is, is that for, for, for diesel? Diesel. Diesel. Okay. UK price, and that gentleman before me said it's 174. It's 174 in sterling. It's €2.10 averaging in when you compare apples with apples, not apples with oranges. I mean, Germany, Belgium, 230, 220 is where fuel prices are averaging. Yes, it is expensive, friend. I know, and I have a diesel car myself, and God, I know what it's costing to run it. You know, we're losing the run of ourselves here thinking everything is rosy in the next parish and, and it's all terrible here. I mean, we are broadly in the mid-range within the European price averages. We don't produce oil here. We have to import it. It's into the country. There's no magic well that's just going to, you know, fill the fuel tanks for us. I mean, what do you do? Peter, do you want to do you want to take some of those points there that maybe you know the grass looks greener on the other side, but when you do the sums, you know maybe maybe not. Uh, I have no problem with anyone that's quite happy with um, with our setup at the moment. I'm really delighted for that gentleman there that uh, he got his chance to have his holiday in sunny Spain, and uh, he was very content with price of never spent. If he's okay, fine. I am just talking about the normal people that I meet every day of the week that are seriously struggling. And I am talking about the working people more so than mm. than even the ones that are less off, less well off. Right. The, the, that's all I make. I don't. I'm very happy if everyone is happy. Like I've no problem with that. It's great. But uh, the grass is greener um, every other place. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just talking about exactly how it is at the moment in this country about having to pay over the top for everything. That's all, man. Willie, what, what about that? So maybe you have the few extra bob and it's not hitting you as hard. Is that... thousands of people take an average week's holiday here and there. It doesn't sure. make them wealthy people. I mean, that's completely yeah. out of the Right, but, but you did mention that you hired a car. Now, you compare that for me now, because oh, yeah. if you hire a car here, for God's sake, you'd want to, you'd want to sell your children for it, you know? Well, it, is, it is mental here. I, I, know, I don't know how anyone hires a car mm. coming here, to be quite honest with you. I think it's a complete and utter, don't know how they justify it. Mm. Don't really know. Well, Fran Dale's the perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, why are we worse, Willie, I suppose, here in terms like the government doesn't hire a car to yeah. people. It's private businesses are doing that and getting away with it. But we want to, you know, everyone seems to want, and it's an easy drum to bang. Oh, God, the government are terrible and they're terrible. Mm. Government doesn't hire a car spanner, set the price for cars. It's what the private businesses are doing and getting away with. Right, but, but, the, but there's taxation on all these things, of course, as well, Willie. Yeah, the taxation in every country, Fran, is how every goods and services are paid for. Yeah, somebody making the point that wages in Norway are double what they are here, so it's no comparison between diesel in Norway and Ireland. 
Yeah, it's a high it's a high cost country. There's no question about that. But it's high high taxation as well, of course. High taxation and a high cost country. That's yeah. what it is. Like there's no there's no nirvana. I mean, you can. I mean, I saw this all last summer. People are putting up this picture of fuel is this and fuel is that in that country. But if it costs you nine euro to drive eighty kilometers down the road on tolls, it doesn't really matter what the price of the fuel was. You're you're paying it one way or the other. Right. Somebody is saying, tell Willie that Malta are at the end of the fuel chain uh, like us and fuel is about 45 to 50 cent cheaper a litre there. Well, they're not on the fuel on the end of the chain. They're, they're in the middle of the Mediterranean. I mean, if these people want to get out their, 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 their geography and actually look at a map, mm. they're in the middle of the Mediterranean, which is only half the shipping distance and everything else of what we are. I mean, that's, you know, that's as harmless as that's So, do, do, am I taking it from you, Willie, that you're tired of people, I don't know, I want to be careful about what you, word I use here now, but are you tired of people kind of whinging? Uh, go on, I'll use whinging. But they're swept up in, in the stuff that they see on, on whatever it is in social media. And they have, you know as well as I do. You could take 90% of it pinch of salt. I mean, where is it, where is it coming from or who stands over these figures? I mean, it is expensive for you, but our our inflation prices are about eight eight and a half percent. Yeah, European average is running at fourteen. You know, it, it, we are going through a global cost of living crisis. But the image and the portrayal of it is that Jesus, it's all here and it's nowhere else, and everywhere else is, is Nirvana, and we are terrible. Uh, well, I don't think people are saying that, you know, but I mean, there are concerns out there, natural enough concerns, Willie, about what we're paying for. I mean, look look at what, I just read it out there a few minutes ago. I mean, you know, energy costs up 35% here. I mean, you try and explain that away if you have a family and you're trying to make ends meet. Well, I tell you, right, you know, everyone's, everyone's costs are going up, and we are heavily dependent on imported fuel. Yeah. Whether it's gas, whether it's coal, whether it's oil, whether it's diesel... We have our own, a small, a small percentage of our gas is domestic, and the yeah. rest of it is all imported from outside our our control. We don't set those prices. We can set those prices. And if we were to say to any one of them, well, I'm only, I'm only going to give you X amount, they'll say, fine, we'll sell it to wherever. We, did, we don't have to supply E. <laughs> that's the international prices that's there at the moment, and there's very little we can do about that. All right. Uh, do you want a final word on that, Peter? What, yeah, what? well, I'd like to ask Willie, um, where does he think the 50% of every litre of um, diesel and the 62.7% of every litre of petrol uh, tax, where does he think it's going? Well, look, it's a very easy answer to that, Peter. I mean, I, and we often talk about it with people. You go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted to drive to Dublin or drive to Cork or drive anywhere, say matches of a Sunday, Tipperary matches or whatever it was, you went through every little boreen of a town and village. It took you three hours to come home. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Willie. They're, so they're all told now. They're all private now. They're not told. They're told. I can drive to Dublin Airport and, and, and I'll pass one toll. I can drive to Shannon. And, and, yeah, and, and who owns it? It's a government run. It's a government run. They're not really. They're, they're, yeah, they're there so, so, many so years. in the government, our 47% did not pay for that. Per litre. What 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 about that, Willie? I mean, we did get a lot of funding towards that uh, road building as well. I mean, he cannot certainly said, "Oh, we have cattle tracks in the country." I can be, I'll be quite frank with you, Ben. The roads around my area are not bad. 
I haven't seen cattle tracks anywhere, you know. Yeah, but, but there are issues with the there are issues with the quality of the roads in general off off the main thoroughfares. Would you not Would you not agree? There are always bad secondary roads, and there's always pressure, resources. What can you do? What can you can you do? You can't do every road every year. That's the right. All right, I must leave it. The, the, can I ask you, Willie, and you need an answer me if you don't want to, but are you part of a political party? I am I'm not. I'm a member of a party, Fran. I vote. I mean, that's just democracy. Yeah, yeah. But you're not a member of a political party, are you? I'm a member of a party, Fran, yeah. And that's right. pretty much choice. Anyone can join any party they want. And, and would you mind telling me what party you're a member of? I'm a member of Fianna Fáil, Fran. Fianna Fáil. Okay. Well, I suppose there is an element then of you would say that. for different candidates over the years, and I have okay. no problem doing that. No, again. no, 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 and absolutely, and that's democra- uh, democracy, and everybody's uh, given a platform here, so there's no problem. And and uh, Peter, can I ask you, are you a member of a political party? No, certainly not. As you know from a lot of our discussions, it's the different one of them might be having a go at and all our different discussions, but I'm just. Um, I'm not a member of anything, no. Right, no, okay. definitely not. But uh, And I'd like to wish Willie the best with his Fianna Fáil party and all the rest because he, of course, is entitled to his opinion and so is everyone else. But if you have to call a spade a spade and we have put an awful lot of money into the roads in this country by Europe and that's why we're in Europe to get the money off of them too build all of this and now our roads are told right. they're paid for and they should be given back to the state all right just really quickly willie because oh. i must go with it yep we are net contributors to europe now because of the economic yes I'm not sure if Fianna Fáil can take, can take credit for that but anyway <laughs> Willie and Peter thank good to you both and thank you for coming on with us uh, today we'll take a break back with more Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie <laughs> If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Delighted to read today that uh, new guidelines will be launched for obesity treatment in a bid uh, to move away from that notion of eat less and move more mindset that you often come across among health uh, professionals. Both the new adult clinical practice guidelines will see obesity recognised as a chronic complex disease caused by health impairment as opposed to being seen as some sort of lifestyle illness or that you're lazy or whatever. So I think that is a good thing. Again, we'd like your opinion on that. We spoke to Deirdre on Friday about the cost of groceries and the importance of being frugal and looking for bargains and it did prompt uh, quite a lot of calls, including our next caller, Pierce, is with me. Pierce, good morning to you. Morning, friend. And good to talk to you today. You feel that people are forgetting about shopping locally when it comes to saving yes, money. Is, um, is that right, Piers? I heard the lady saying that um, <coughs> the warnings and the virtues of shopping online. Mm. Right, if I drive to Clement today or go into Carrickenshaw or any smaller town, I find that there's lots and lots of little shops are sort of going to decline. And there has to be a reason. I was in Supervalio about a couple of years ago. And I was speaking to um, the manager. And with that, three guys came in from a local club. I won't say which club. And uh, he said, I must go meet these guys to look for sponsorship. 
And I said, ask the guy in the middle, I said. But he gets sponsorship of a Tesco. The guy in the middle has had his family playing sport with his club. Yes, he wants the local supermarket to uh, sponsor. While he was having his groceries delivered from Waterford or Clamell with Tesco. I just felt that's a bit of an insult too. So that you shop. think that's just not fair, is that it? It's not fair, no. But people should remember when they spend that they should spend locally, support the local, because we won't have a local. I look out my window here, I can see like Cormac Church. Mm-hmm. In that village there's one shop. Mm-hmm. Now if that shop closes, the cost of a cat and the milk is how much for a guy who's living out in Cormac? You know, so we mm-hmm. need to support local. And the other thing that's happened during all this is cash. There'd be lots of things cash in the next five years. Yeah. It's your card. I was in a shop in Dungarvan and a girl paid for an ice cream with a card. Her card's been topped up by her parents. Whereas had they given her 10 euros or 20 euros and she was buying her little things as she went along, she realised one day then, that oh, I've only a euro left. I can't buy that chocolate. So she'd be budgeting for herself is what you're saying to me, yeah. The only thing I'd put it to you for for the sake of argument, Piers, is that, you know, from a romantic point of view, we'd all like to support the local little shop and all of that. But at the end of the day, things are very tight. The cost of living is very, very much going through the roof. So we we have to budget for for families, you know. We do, yes, but we also need to look where we're going. When I was younger, I'm looking at the Cumberland Mountains, I used to hunt sheep off the mountains with the men who had the sheep. So what you do is you curl them all to go the one way. So now we're in the herd of the human being. We're all going down the road of cashless. We're all going down the road of shopping online. And what's... They're talking about um, being economic. If I look on the road here past my house every day, then probably 10, maybe even 20 courier vans passed. So, like, is that being economical from a sort of point of view? Of the, what do you mean? They're buying uh, online and the, the vans are delivering but, yes, the, the produce? Yeah. 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 You know, so, like, we, there's, we, we're a, t- a tiny spot on the planet, this country, and we behave as if we're saving the world. And and what are you saying to me about that now? Is that what? I think if people... OK, if we were shopping more local. We wouldn't have courier vans coming from all over the place. Amazon have just built a massive uh, distribution centre above in Dublin. Yeah. How many shops is that going to affect? You know yourself in the past uh, two or three weeks, Tom, there's shop closures. Yeah. yeah. And it's only a matter of time when there'll be more. But we need more than lip service as well, because I remember a couple of years ago we were talking about losing a post office and there was a lovely lady yeah. chatting to me on there and she was saying what a disgrace it was. And I asked her outright, I said, how many times lately have you been in your local post office? And she had to say to me, oh, I haven't been in it for a long time, I do everything online. Right. But, the but still they wanted to save the local post office without using it, you know. Right, if you go into your local uh, shop... You'll end up speaking to people around you. And today, we all lock our doors and we don't know who our neighbour is. But we could be standing next door to our neighbour. Yeah. We're losing the art of conversation. And you just mentioned the post office there. Mm. They've just brought out a, a digital stamp. Yes, now, that's right. Yeah. Everything is done online anyway. So do we need the stamp? So you don't even have to buy a, a stamp now? Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. So we're all going to be brainless 
controlled by... And let me ask you this, Piers. Is is the genie out of the bottle? I mean, there's no turning back of this, you know? Okay, there's no turning back. Uh, But then maybe we can slow down the pace. And maybe people might need to start thinking Mm. about where they're going. But why are we been allowing ourselves to be just totally controlled? And do you think well, we on, are? Do you think we're being completely... That's the next thing, isn't it? Say, say that to me again? About a microchip? Yeah. What, say that again now. What do you mean? Let's microchip us all. Right. Do you think that's the next... Uh... That's the next step, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're microchipping dogs and horses and things. So let's do it with the humans. Then we can totally control Johnny and Mary. Yeah, we won't need a passport... They won't After a while, you yes, yes, walk through yes, and your microchip yes, will, and your will trigger your will details. And say, hey, you can't win, but you can. <laughs> okay. Pierce, it was good to uh, talk to you. Mr. Van, we'd yeah. introduce a scanner we carry and we'll decide if we'd allow you in or not, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pierce. Look okay, after yourself. Gurmil Vahagat, that's Pierce, in, obviously in caricature. The 1800-938-007. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp, 083 You can email at tiptoday at tipfm.com. Somebody telling me no charges in Malta, um, no toll charges in Malta, and it's not part of the country's national transport strategy. So no tolls or fees are applied when driving within the country. And 50% of fuel price in Ireland is taxed as one of our listeners. And uh, that point was made earlier on as well. Somebody else saying, we're becoming a country of moaners, Fran. Another listener on, Willie is entitled to his opinion, but uh, the country is in the bin because of Fianna Fáil. And there's somebody who obviously doesn't vote for Fianna Fáil. Um, okay, lots more coming into us on this. Um, the average sa- uh, salary in Oslo uh, is currently around 31,000 uh, per month after tax. Uh, that's around uh, 3,600 uh, USD per month and one of the highest average salaries for European capitals. And that's making reference to my conversation with Willie, I guess, as well. Okay, lots more coming in on that. I'll package it together and bring it to you in just a while. In the last hour, we heard a Vox Pop from the people of Tipperary. We heard from listeners James and Teresa reacting to the Ukrainian ambassador's uh, comments where she said that uh, it was unacceptable uh, what's happening uh, that um, Ukrainian people are arriving here and there's not proper accommodation for them. Well, Kieran was uh, on uh, social media and uh, had a post up about this and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Kieran. Good morning, Fran. How are you, how are I, you today? I, I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you uh, today. I well, gathered from your post, Kieran, when I saw it, that you're kind mm-hmm. of angry about what the ambassador said. Yeah, well, I thought it was kind of um, ridiculous, to be honest with you, you know, because we've done so much. When you think about it, uh, 
back in, I think it was March, I think the max was set to be 20,000 people, correct? Approximately 20,000 people. And now we've hit 60. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nowhere to put them. What, what, what do we do? Like, yeah, I'm not sure the about the max being 20,000 because initially they said that we, we could be taking in up to 100,000, Kieran. Okay, I, I, I stick corrected. Uh, the, the the fact of the matter is that like there is no more room. The bucket is full. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's up to the government now. They should actually say, right, well, lads, we have we have we have nowhere else to put you. Enough now already. I mean, there's 100, 115,000 in England. You know, that's not a hell of a lot bigger country than we are, and we've half that here. You know, there's only five, what, 67 million people in England. There's five million here, yeah. and and we have 60,000 and still coming. It's it's over. Okay, lads, the hotel is full. There's no more room at the inn. Yeah, one in you four know, hotel rooms in the country now um, is, it's is incredible. full. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's it's gone beyond a joke now at this stage. I mean, they're saying now they're giving eight hundred euro for a house. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, to now. to attract people into taking in a Ukrainian family. Yeah, it went from four hundred yeah. to eight hundred per month. Yeah. Okay. Can I just give you an idea? Friend about that. Yeah. Um, to get a house, to rent a house in, say, in Clonmel, for instance, mm-hmm. you won't get a house for 800 euros a, mo- a month. No. You won't. So, why are people going to give them to Ukrainians when they're going to shoot themselves in the foot and get a lot more? Do you know, I'm not being racist, by the way. I'm going to well, I suppose the some least people, racist person in the world. Some people know. might say, Karen, that they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart and that the money is just a kind yeah. of a, you know, picking up expenses and stuff. Yeah, some people, I doubt it. But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm just being a realist. Yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. the price of everything these days, somebody's going to try and get as much as they can, you know, from a property that they have vacant. You know, now if, I, I was, if I was offered like 14 or whatever, 1,400 euros, I suppose eight, it wouldn't take me long to figure out which way I'd go. That's honest with you know. Right, but I, I suppose the difference here is that people might just, just into the heart of their own home, they might bring people. They They wouldn't be landlords or anything like that. Just... They might have a spare room or something, mm. something of that. Well, it, 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 yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just think. Well, first of all, I thought she had a bit of a cheek to say that we're doing everything, everything possible, over and above, yeah. well, over and above what, what what to do now. But they want more and more. And there's another issue I just like to bring up, by the way. Mm. Um, and from from watching uh, social media and, and uh, anyway, other programs, like not all of these uh, folks coming into uh, from Ukraine are actually Ukrainians. You know, they're coming Where in. They they're, they're not. They're from other parts of Europe, hmm. and it's been proven. Like you know, like I, a friend of mine spoke to me privately the other, day, the other day after my post, and he told me he was at a wedding in Ennis, and the, the head chef of the wedding. No, um, you, you're not. Head, you're not going yeah. to be specific for me or anything now, are you? I, I'm not going to mention obviously, okay. Mike. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> and uh, God, that's why he private messaged me. He didn't put it on. on yes. You know. Yeah. And he basically told me that his friend told him that the hotel is getting a hundred thousand euros a month. Uh, because he has, they have Ukraine, Ukrainian folks there, but half of them aren't Ukrainians. Secondly, the hotel is employing them at dirt cheap rates. Mm. Now that must be going on everywhere. You, you know, you know, there's no, there's nobody stopping anybody can pretend they're Ukraine. They're coming into the country with no papers. Right, but so you don't know who's coming in. Right, but I mean, I presume you have to show that you're Ukrainian, do you not? You have to have a passport oh. or something. Like if they come into the country, I'm sure my passport would blown up in my house. You could easily say, right? So, you know, yeah. it, it's a fact, champ. Uh, Sorry, it's a fact. 
Yeah, but, but, but there's another there's another video where there's another video. It's online. Anybody can see it. It's on YouTube. Where a Dublin man is a videographer, and he was outside the, the, the uh, airport interviewing folks coming off coming through from Ukraine. Okay, some of them in English. They were very very nice, and they were grateful to be here. There was three guys on the right hand side outside the door, and the three were smoking cigarettes. And he went over to talk to them. Now the three of them were, were obviously Middle Eastern, obviously. And the three of them were in their early 30s. And what he asked them, he said, oh, we Ukraine. And he said, why are you not, um, like, for instance, uh, uh, you're fighting age, if you know what I mean. And they said, oh, I'm 60. The three of them said they were 60. The three of them said they were Ukraine. They were no more 60 now than I'm 140. You know, I but, mean, that's all right. they had the English to have. But I have to put, I mean, you're going to get bad apples in every situation, I suppose. But I mean, far and away, Kieran, the... The, the the huge majority of Ukrainians coming in are, are mothers and children. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't know about the huge majority, now, but another chap uh, who was on another radio station uh, last week who's living in City West, he also said that half the people there are not from Ukraine. So there's no betting going on. Hmm. You know, it, 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 that's not right. Like, you know, give the people, the, the genuine people, you know, pander to them. But due to betting, first, it's ridiculous what's going on. And there's, there's no open season. Come on, lads, in you come. Well, the, you vet, the, vetting, the vetting that's going on is if you want to take in people, you'll be vetted. Oh, yeah, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah, come here, you might be a murderer. I don't care. In you go over, there's your room. Yeah, there's no vetting. Yeah. It's dangerous. And down the road, it's going to have big, big effect. Like what? You're going to have bad people in small communities because they're not being vetted. You don't know who they are. You honestly don't know who they are. There's no background checks done. The door is open. In you come. It's very sorry about your house has been smashed, you know, to pieces by, you know, the Russians and all this stuff. But there's no, there's no betting. That, that's a big problem. Big problem. And and what do you mean of, of young people coming in here as well of, of fighting age? Because there was, a, a, you know, I mean, Valensky said it was illegal for anybody of fighting age to leave Ukraine, in fact. Yeah, well, whatever he said, it's happening here. Like, like, it, it, I'm not making this up, friend. This is true. This is actual fact. That there's loads and loads and loads of, like... Now, I, I have no idea. There's a hundred and something people. In, in, how many women are in Dundrum? I don't know. I don't Men, know. Women and children. Mm. You know, it, I don't it know. It seems to be large, largely to be um, women and, and children. And yeah. kids. Yeah. 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 But uh, unfortunately, I don't think the vetting is done properly. Honestly, no. Mm. It, it's a very dangerous situation where the, where the door is open and anybody they're coming across coming across Europe and into Ukraine and pretending to Ukraine, I have no papers and bang them in Ireland all of a sudden. Right, but is it fair to say that, you mean, you think we, we need to embrace as much as we can, but betting should be in place? Is that is that what you're saying to me, really? Uh, exactly. The betting most definitely should be in place because it's a dangerous situation. Yeah. What What's yeah. your answer to Michal Martin saying that Ireland has a legal and moral obligation to accommodate um, people arriving from Ukraine? And, and that's a very stark thing. I mean, he, he's not putting any provisos in there. He's saying we have a legal and moral obligation. Uh, whatever about moral, I, I, I'd love to know the legality of it. Yeah. I, I don't know the legality of that. Like, well, because this is know. a decision among EU, EU countries to take in refugees. So being part of EU, I guess, that's what he's talking about, a legal obligation. Uh, and also, like, uh, um, our neutrality is, is a joke. It's out the window. Yeah. 
there, there is no neutrality anymore. Simon Coveney Simon Coveney seems to say, say good luck to that. Like you know, he never put it to the, to the people. It's just we're just gone now. We're just we're not neutral anymore. Mm. Well, the according to the last poll, if he does put that to the people, the majority of people would say we want to retain our neutrality. Of I course, mean, I agree. I agree yeah. with you. I think so it was sixty-one percent or something. Yeah. What, what, what would happen if we went to war? Go, we send the FCA. For God's sake. No, we'll send our young lads and our young women. That's what would happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's only a tiny army. We'd be throwing stones at tanks. Come on, for God's sake. Ridiculous. Honestly, no. Nonsense. I I am not racist and I wish those people the best of luck. It's a terrible situation what's happening in the Ukraine. But do it right. Do the Irish have to do the proper job? And they're not doing the proper job. Right, but is this a problem? I mean, you 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 seem to have feel a need to to say that a few times. I'm not racist because we mm. can't have a conversation without somebody being branded as being racist. Oh, I, exactly, I, exactly. I heard your other listeners up there. Oh, by the way, and I'm not in any political party either, and I'm not shit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just go for that. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, um, uh, but well, well, I'm chipped. I, I'm using mobile phone. That means I'm chipped. That's you're chipped in some way, anyway. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, but, but no. And and the the notion of this being a short term as well. This this isn't short term, uh, Kieran. It's very important to point that out at this point. This is long term stuff we're talking about here, isn't it? Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. Big time. What what are, what are those poor folks to go back to go back to rubble? Let me see you now. Will I stay in Ireland where I get just about everything? Like, you know, I need a medical card, a few quid, and blah, 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 blah. Or will I go back to a pile of rubble? No, that's not, that's not rocket science to figure out what you're going to do. You know, and the Irish, give them everything, no problem at all. And don't get me started on 10,000 plus people sleeping on the streets here or sleeping in, in accommodation that you should be having our own homes. They should take care of the Irish first. And if that sounds racist, well, so be it. I don't care. We'll take care of our own first, you know. And, and yeah. it's not happening. It's and not it, happening. It's it, it's interesting now that I mean the Red Cross, because it's a volunteer organisation, found some difficulty in in placing people because just the sheer numbers. Of, I suppose they were dealing with. So now we're oh. passing it over to local authorities, and they uh, the government is instructing local authorities now to to open up vacant housing, which is what we've been looking for for I don't know how long. You know. Well, to, to okay. Like where where I live at the, like at the moment, there's a whole housing estate, and it's all it's, it, there are new houses up privately built and there's an, a load of them closed up they're not sold or whatever like you know and they could easily rent those or whatever like rent them to the government or something you know yeah, but, but as I said to you the best of people are going in there not just anybody you know all right Kieran, yeah. it's always good to talk to you and thanks very much you, for friend. coming on with us and you look after yourself Kieran. thank you okay I'll thank talk you again bye 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 in the UK, voted for Brexit because of the influx of uh, immigrants and uh, it was low-income people who were competing uh, with these people for housing, education and healthcare. This is also becoming an issue here. Our political leaders are importing large numbers of people without the resources to cater for them. Even mild-mannered Swedes have had enough and recently uh, voted for a new government in uh, the years ahead. The same may happen here. Maybe it's time to put Irish citizens first, said Barry to us on 083-311-3311. Coming from the Ukraine and being from Ukraine, two totally different things, says somebody. Uh, George was on to say, what a neck she has. That's making reference to Larissa Garasco, the Ukrainian 
ambassador. What an egg she has, says George. Aren't we being called Treasure Island by some of the refugees? Anyway, we're punching way above our weight. Somebody else saying your last speaker has nailed all the issues where Ukrainian refugees are concerned. No vetting, um, not refugees, no immigration controls and non-Ukrainians arriving daily uh, posing as refugees. They will have really serious consequences in the years ahead. Now, with all of this talk, it is very, very important to point out that uh, certainly what I've seen, the large majority of the Ukrainian refugees that I've seen are mothers and kids. Now, there are some males there, and I, I don't know what the story with that is, but I mean, it's very important that we would recognise that. And they're little children, and I'm sure they're frightened, and I'm sure that they're trying to get used to a different place and all that. So it's very important to keep all of that in mind, but it's also very important to have a conversation. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. All right, let's go to Fife in beautiful Scotland and uh, Peter is there. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Uh, good to talk to you today. Uh, how are things in Fife? Um, slightly overcast. You know, a wee bit of blue sky starting to break through. Very good. And uh, people might know it best, I suppose, as the home of St Andrew's uh, wonderful yeah, golf right. club there. Yeah. 20 minutes away in the car from where I am. Ah, very good indeed. What about, you want to talk to us about diesel there and the price of and the like. What is your experience there, Peter, in Scotland? Um, well, it was obviously just the post that I saw in the... Uh, your uh, post yesterday, and um, I would go back to maybe three weeks ago. Um, now, my local Tesco supermarket, it was about 178 for uh, for diesel. No, it's sterling, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, now it's up to 189. But actually, when it was sitting at 178, I actually read a post um, from uh, the RAC. And they were actually saying that an extra 10 pence should have reached the consumers through the pumps by now. But unfortunately, it hadn't. But they're quick enough in putting the prices back up again. Aren't they just, yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of profiteering going on in Scotland as well, Peter. Oh, of course there is. Yeah. You know, you can blame a lot of people. Um, to be honest, the Tory government's making a mess of this country. Yeah. You know, but, um, I don't exactly know what's uh, the price around up the north, but you know, see down the south in England, I've actually seen um, the English maybe getting ten or twelve pence a litre cheaper than what Scotland gets. And what, what, yeah. why, how, what do you put that down to? <laughs> maybe we need to come independent quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Never miss a genuine opportunity. Well, I'm sure independence has certainly crossed your mind with the shenanigans going on in number 10 for the last... Uh, oh, it's ter- terrible, isn't it? It's, it really it's, is. Yeah, it really is. Are you feeling any better that uh, Rishi uh, Sunak is going to be the, the new Prime Minister? Are you feeling any better uh, about that? To be honest, I'm not really a very political person, but when he was with Boris Johnson, you know, they were all at these parties and all lying about it. Now, you know, the Tories for a lot of years now have only looked after the rich. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's never going to change. There should be a general election for, you know, you, you can't keep picking a prime minister from the Tory party to see if they're going to do any good. That was trust. She was just pathetic. 
Yeah, it's. A, it's, it's was a, I mean, anybody even with a vague notion of economics would have known what she was trumpeting on about couldn't work. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it can really be lost for words at times. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know if you get to see much of the BBC uh, coverage. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is airbrushed and you only hear what may let you hear, you know. Yeah. Because of politics and whoever's, you know, got the biggest shares in the BBC. And it's, of course, that, I, I, to be honest, that's why I don't watch the television half the time. Do you not? You It just no. depresses you, is that it? Yeah. Oh, I just put the radio on. I listen to the station like yourself. I'm glad to see that you are back on the smart speaker again. At one point, you were taken off. Oh, were we? Okay. Well, yeah. We're back on it again, which which is great. And you you have links to to us here. Do you? Is was your dad from from Ballylanders? Just outside Ballylanders. Right. Right. And you have an aunt in in, in Tipperary. Emma was telling yeah. me. Yeah, uh, my uncle. He used to have uh, a men's clothes shop many moons back in Tip. One who who was that? Oh, it was just a man shop. Oh, I think going back to when I was what probably about 80, 85. Right, okay. And there was only one man shop, if I remember so far. Right, you know, back and, and did you spend summer holidays over here? And yes, I did. Uh, obviously, my mother's uh, from Southern Ireland, see. <laughs> Sorry, my mother's from South, South Wales, right? So, my, my father he obviously came across and met my mother and what. You know, oh, worked a... on the roads and to England and ended up in Scotland. And... So it's quite a, quite a mix of so Wales, Ireland and living in Scotland. Yeah, well, yeah, my parents were just uh, just over there not too long ago. Yeah. They were across for a few weeks, eh? We, we have such a lot in common uh, with uh, Scottish people, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're all fond, so of, I, I we're fond of a jar. When I was <laughs> about 13 and you were getting about 24 to 27 pence on the punt. Oh, oh, right. so, so it was great for you to come over here then? Oh, it was then. Yeah. I, I was glad to see that uh, my mother brought me back some uh, some gouty cheese and, uh, well, what's the other one? You know, I do like the processed cheese for years you? over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very fond of our cheddar here. I think we're one of the few places in, in Europe that like ch- cheddar cheese. What, what do, I mean, last time around when you got an opportunity to vote, Scotland decided um, they, they didn't want to to uh, to break away from the UK. What, do you think minds have changed drastically on that now, Peter? Uh, well, I hope so. Yeah. You know, independently, I don't think we can do any worse. Um. Yeah, I, I thought you know, Brexit might have changed a lot of minds. Uh, but... the, I, I don't know what it's like with yourselves there, but, you know, with the, the cost of energy, oh, and stop. it's just the yeah. way the, the Westminster government has dealt with it all. You know, we're, we're, we're getting charged triple the price, you know? Yeah. And, but, um, and, and, I mean, do you see the cost of Brexit particularly now as opposed to, yeah, you know, that, all that's, that's happening around the world and the like? Yeah, that's definite. That's one one word that you don't hear mentioned on the BBC news very often is Brexit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kept to the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, you and, and you'd wonder why, because it's at the core of all of the issues that the Tories it are is, having at de- the moment. It is, isn't it? definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know... That's yeah. why um, I would I would like to be back uh, part of the European Union. You know, really would. Yeah, of course the 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 new prime minister he he very much a, a Brexiteer indeed. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly. But he's got millions of pounds behind him. He's another rich man. He's Richie an incredibly rich. rich guy. Yeah, 
Yes. Yeah. So let's see what damage he can do, you know. <laughs> you, never, you never can tell. He, he might, maybe there might be a cauliflower, put, you know, yeah. see how long he's going to last. Yeah. and uh, But, of course, if it got to a general election now at the moment there, I mean, the, the Tories will be wiped out. Uh-huh. Yes. But, you know, for what I've sort of led to believe is that Labour aren't much better, you know. Do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of them's um, hanging on the ship to you know, the, the Tories. But it's, it's like what I had been reading is the fact that Richie should have uh, a general election because he has no mandate of his own. You know, the only thing we're sort of going along in here was what Boris Johnson got. Yeah, but look, look, look at the mandate Boris got. I mean, it was just huge, you know, landslides. Well, it was just like Liz Truss there. I don't know if you saw much of it when you've been over there, but she was harping on about all the time about, yes, I have managed to get through, you know, people could be spending thousands of pounds on energy. And then within a couple of weeks then, you know, it's just down to six months instead of the two years. It's interesting. What did you think about the fact that uh, Boris came close to making a, a second come comeback? Well, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Surely, no. Yeah. Do you know... Well, a lot of support within the, the hardliners of the Tory party, I suppose. I suppose there is, but, you know, there was a lot of people going through heartache and everything through the pandemic and, you know, and then with all these parties and it's, it's ironic how you can't turn around in Westminster and call somebody a, a liar. You know, Ian Blackford called Boris a liar once and got asked to leave because he wouldn't retract it. You know? It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? One, one of the big discussions we're having today, and indeed for the past few weeks as well, is the amount of Ukrainian refugees that are coming in here to, to Ireland. What, what's the story in Scotland about that? I mean, is it obvious um, that you're taking in some refugees there, or what's, what's the I story? I think we've actually taken in more than England has. Go on. Yo. Well, but it's, it's another thing as well... You don't hear much about it. It's on the back burner again. Okay, yeah, because it's very much to the forefront here. It's a huge discussion at the moment because uh, we're still taking in uh, refugees, but the, the, we're, we've run out of accommodation. Monkle shopping tip used to be called McGilligates. McGilligates in yeah. and, and where was that again? That was on uh, the main street going through tip. Was it indeed? Maybe some of our listeners, I, I, I don't remember, maybe some of our listeners might be able to tell it. Miguel Guts. Yep. Okay, very good. And that would have been your... That's my uncle. Your he uncle. Married, uh, married my auntie. Right. Isn't that very interesting? And were you, you were here of late again, were you? I've, I've not been there since 2014. Um, All right. I'll tell you exactly one thing that sticks in my head was... Um, I was walking down the main street and I think there was a Liddles just up from the Porterhead pub. Yes, yes. The Porter House, yeah. Porter House, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Danny Ryan's music shop is there. That's Bank Place in Tipperary Town, in fact, yeah. Right. Well, look, you it, know, was... It, was like, it was just a flying visit I had then because um, uh, my friend, well, my partner at that time, she was actually from the north. Ah. Just outside Maharafel, her family stayed. So it was um, sort of like a three, four day sort of down uh, the east and back up the west coast of Ireland. Very good. Well, you're going to have to come back soon. And if you do, you might drop into studio to us because I'd love to talk to you more. I do, because I've, 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 uh, I've, I've, I've quite like listening to, to Andrew in the morning. Ah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Daft is a brush, of course, but, but he's great. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass on your good wishes to him, Peter. Listen, really good to talk to you, Peter. 
Yep, and you know, thanks very much. Yeah, it's, it's good to get on a different. I don't, I don't, I don't like going sort of uh, public at times, but I don't think there'll be many people around Scotland that will uh, be hearing me. <laughs> oh, we're we're huge around Fife. There, they they'd have us on in St Andrews there all of the time. Oh, there you go. Then that's fine. I might, I might become a public personality at some point. Then we, we'll, we'll, we'll make a star of you. You look after yourself, Peter. Good to talk to you today. Thank you. That's uh, Peter there, in lovely Fife in Scotland, the home of golf. There in Scotland, if you're into golf, you'll be well aware of that uh, area. I wonder what do you make about this whole thing then about pubs being able to serve until half past 12 uh, every night of the week under a major reform of licensing uh, laws. Now, the new legislation, it's expected to come into force uh, next year and it will also clear the way for nightclubs to stay open until 6 o'clock in the morning. God almighty. But last orders will have to be taken at 5, mark you. Uh, The Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, will bring a memo to Cabinet uh, this uh, morning seeking to uh, modernise the country's licensing laws which are considered to be antiquated and under existing legislation pubs uh, have to stop serving at uh, half past 11 between Monday and Thursday with this uh, extending to half past 12 uh, for Friday and Saturday while final orders are 11 o'clock on a Sunday as you're well aware of course at this point it's a wonder if they didn't do all of this when we had a few bob to spend though and uh, Maybe it's just an age thing, but who stays out till six o'clock in the morning dancing? Emma does. <laughs> she's gonna kill. She's gonna kill me for this. Yeah, Emma. Emma does anyway. Like even even before the nightclubs are loud, she she'd be dancing on the the footpath till all hours of the morning. Keep your calls coming. If you want to talk to uh, Emma, you can do so on eighteen hundred nine three eight. 007. You can text and WhatsApp 083 We're always delighted uh, to hear from you. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Listener says, friend, this government, uh, they're throwing money at everything all of the time. Talking now of offering €800 Euro to people to take in Ukrainian refugees. Who's paying for all of this? We're over a quarter of a trillion in debt. And uh, they're giving out grants at local level for this and that. All borrowed money. No mention of paying anything off. Our huge debt at the recent budget. And while I'm at it, what's the thinking on extending opening hours in pubs and nightclubs? Absolute madness. Won't be too many of these out that late going to work the next... Well, our Emma will be out, that's for sure. More uh, drink driving and antisocial behaviour. More in the government's uh, thinking to be going after insurance companies charging crazy prices to these pub owners. Uh, then they wouldn't have to stay open so late to make ends meet. I enjoy the shows is one of our listeners. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. Now, Teresa gave her reaction this morning to accusations from the Ukrainian ambassador that Ireland needs to do more to house all of the refugees coming in to the country. We're on air every weekday morning from nine. And this is Teresa just after nine this morning. She really insulted the Irish people. I mean, how dare she say that we should do more? 
I don't think any other country in the world would have done what we have done so far to help them. Well, what does she want to do? If they're unacceptable, it's an easy answer. Leave them where they are. I'm not being rude in this answer. We have enough to deal with. How many families are on the threshold of trying to keep their accommodation, their own houses going? And I see today the mortgage interest has gone up by 75%, which is a €600 per year cost again. I mean, we're, we're we're at our wit's end. I think Michal Martin needs to get out among Irish people and among the Ukraine people and realise what is there. It looks as if Ireland is going to be put into a civil war. We're going to fight against each other when we shouldn't be. But people are getting racist because the field are being treated wrong. And I mean, that's the way mm. I look at it. They're already divided. Are they? Dear, there's an awful lot of people at this moment saying, why are we doing this so much? That we're happy to take so many and deal with so many and get them sorted. But now there's so many coming in and our own Irish are there. There were 70 people in Ireland died homeless on the streets this year. Yeah. I mean, look, if we don't look after what's here, how can we look after someone else? And that's Teresa speaking to us this morning just after nine o'clock uh, every weekday morning from nine here. Tip today. Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors is with me. I nearly pressed the wrong button there, John. I nearly give you credit for being a health item or something. You're probably out late last night, you see. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for the nightclubs to open until six, like yourself. It's about time that they overhaul the licensing laws. Do you think so? Oh, they're, they're such a mishmash of rules that it's long overdue to overhaul them and make them consistent. I mean, they've obviously grabbed the most, surprisingly enough, the most kind of the headline of it all about the opening hours and closing hours, which we all know you find very few people in the pub. Poor old publicans would be delighted if they had anybody there at half twelve. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing, though, and the point was made in the office this morning, um, will people not just leave it later to go out? But but that's what they've been doing, apparently, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was always fascinated as to what would happen post-COVID with the pub, you know. Mm. You remember all the conversation during COVID was that the Irish tradition of going to the pub would die as a result of, you know, people realising that you can drink at home or that there are other options. But mm. I don't I don't know that that has happened. Mm. I'm not too know. sure about that. Yeah, I think for I some know. people, they, they got into the habit of having a few cans at home or yeah, something. Yeah. Anyway. You're going to talk to us today anyway about trusts, Yes. John. Yes, what, trusts. what are trusts? What are trusts? Well, yeah. they were something that were created. <clears throat> there was two kind of strands of law at the outset. This is a very kind of a short version of it. But there were kind of two strands of law initially when when the law started to gather momentum as a kind of a, a formal formulaic type of way of dealing with problems within any kind of country and it all started in the UK of course with what we call the common law and you had kind of two strands, you had the legal strand, strictly legal 
principles and then you had what they call equity principles. And the legal principles were a rule is a rule is a rule. If you break it, you break it kind of thing. And then they introduced what they call equity. So people often talk about equity, I think, in, in common speech as, you know, being equitable or mm. being fair or whatever. But they introduced the principle of equity and they created certain things within that principle of equity. And one of the things that they created were trusts. And trusts are basically mechanisms where you can kind of create kind of a forward planning type of model that will enable you to do various things that you can't do, you know, that you can't plan for. So, for example, where what I'm talking about in terms of a trust is it's basically a legal document that appoints two people that will take care of property for a period of time or take care of cash for a period of time or take care of any asset for a period of time, hold it uh, and then distribute it to either specific individuals or any individuals that they choose. So that's w- kind of Would we trust. know it best as somebody coming of age until somebody Something comes of like age? Something like that, exactly. Yeah. But it, it's for all sorts of reasons. But, I mean, uh, it's used very much now in uh, the area of kind of succession planning and wills. But you don't have to do it in a will. You can do it outside a will. In other words, you can do it during your lifetime or you could do it on death, if you know what I mean. Mm. The one that people would commonly kind of be be familiar with is that when you come in and you have young children and you make a will and you come in to me and you make a will and you say, well, you appoint trustees, you appoint guardians for your children, you appoint trustees for your children and... They're not so much trustees for your children, but they are the children will ultimately benefit from mm. the trust. Mm. So, and it's something that, if you like, the trigger is your death. And when you die, then the trust comes into being. So the trust isn't really in being per se. It's it's ready to, to come into play as soon as you die. Mm. And what so, is, is the trust a sum of money? Trust could be anything, you know. You could can put anything into a trust. Right. That sounds really very, very yeah, wide. But it could but be you property. Can put share guess, properties, yeah. a business. You can put anything that has a legal uh, entity mm. into a trust. So, but commonly, what you put, I mean, commonly what you put into a trust is whatever you have. Mm. So you might say, I, I, I hereby make my will and in my will um, I, I leave everything to my wife and if my wife and I die together or if she dies before me then this trust will come into effect and this trust then means that these two named individuals will hold the assets whatever I have in trust for my children what's a very um, useful it's a very useful mechanism to deal with the situation of of minor children, as you say, when people come of age. Mm. But I think what interests me much more in the context of of a trust isn't so much the one that that I've commonly done down the years, which is the the trust for the children. And as you say, when they come of age, and then you have the discussion between you know what happens between. Uh, let's say they come of age, so you're between 18 and 21, or you might defer till 25 or whatever, and you put it into a trust. But that's that's what we call a fixed trust. In other words, it's fairly fixed as to what's going to happen. You appoint two individuals who hold the property until the youngest child comes of age. Mm. So effectively what they do is they mind it for the kids until the children come to a certain age. That's a fixed trust. 
there's the other one, which is a discretionary trust, not to mention secret trusts and half-secret trusts, which, which are different things altogether. I mean, I always think about secret trusts and half-secret trusts. A half-secret trust, I don't think I've ever done a half-secret trust. What I don't it? think I've ever done a secret trust. But a, a ha- when you're studying trust law, mm. you're ta- they talk about secret and half-secret trust. Uh, a secret trust would be where I say I leave my uh, I leave you my car, Fran. So mm. I leave my Mercedes to Fran, but I t- I tell you, Fran. Oh, by the way, I'm only putting it in the will and giving it to you, but I'm actually giving it to my son, uh, Michael. Uh, but I don't want the other son to know that I'm giving the car. So I'm setting up this secret trust. So I'm oh. I'm telling you to give it to him, kind of thing. A half secret trust would be where you. S- say in the will, I'm giving it to Fran in trust. So you actually tell whoever's reading the will that you actually are not giving it to Fran, but you haven't told them who you're giving it to. That's a half-secret trust. Never done it. Um, can't imagine uh, mm. why you might do it, but I'm sure yeah, there are certain... it's an option for people. It's an option, but an interesting one. Yeah. But anyway, it could make for a very interesting well. will reading. But the, but the other one is the discretionary trust. Now, the discretionary trust is an is a really, really very versatile type of legal mechanism because a discretionary trust is what it sounds like. It's discretionary. So what you do is you appoint trustees, you set up a trust, you put your assets into the trust, and then you basically give the trustees a discretion as to how they're going to deal with it. So in other words, you might have a situation where... And, you know, commonly it comes up where you might want to skip a generation, for example, Mm. for one reason or another. So, you know, you might have, uh, it's always Johnny. Johnny mightn't be very good with money. He might be a little bit uh, free with the old being up at six o'clock in the morning and the nightclubs when they open. And so therefore what what you do is you might set up a discretionary trust for him. And that effectively means that the control of the funds, the funds or whatever it is are outside his control and they're in the control of trustees. So they basically manage it. So it's a way of keeping an eye on that situation. But it's also very, very useful in the situation where you're dealing with special needs children, for example, and you want to look after them. I mean, and that's very, very uh, prevalent because in that situation, you know, a lot of parents, as you can imagine, with special needs children, have huge concerns as to what you know, will happen when they're no longer able to, to look after the child and the child is an adult because obviously you can't appoint uh, guardians for an adult child mm. under a will, if you know what I mean. So in that situation, you would appoint trustees and the trustees and the, the benefit of setting up a discretion trust because like everything else when you're talking about these situations you always have to be aware of the tax implications which let's just park it just for a second but in the case of um, special needs children you can actually set up a trust for that individual or individuals and that has the benefit of not attracting the usual taxes that apply in the case of discretionary trust because there are taxes, as you know. We all know there are taxes, mm. but there are certainly taxes because 
discretionary trusts used to be huge, very, very useful for ways of kind of deferring tax or avoiding, not evading, by the way, but avoiding tax, because mm-hmm. we all know evading tax isn't, you can't evade it, you can you avoid cannot. it as best you can. But um, it avoids, so, you know, things like income tax and whatever. So they, they've introduced surcharges. If you hold on to income within a trust, they've introduced uh, a kind of a 20% tax on trustees. So when, when, when there's income in there, you have to pay that. They've introduced um, basically tax within the model of trust and often can put people off mm. from trust, but it still doesn't take away from how efficient and effective it is. It gives you a certain amount of control over assets because, you see, as I said to you, you can have a, a trust that will activate or come into being if it's not, sorry, it isn't an if, it's a when you die. Uh, but of course, the if is that the children, if it was for children, for example, they might be of age by the time mm. the trust might be relevant, in which case it's no longer relevant. But in the case of a trust where it isn't your standard fixed trust and it's a discretionary trust, the trust will come into being in those circumstances and it could deal with adult children. So the other thing that comes to where I've kind of had reason to use it uh, recently, you know, for, for over the last period of time, is with the introduction of divorce in Ireland, has introduced an extra layer to interactions, if you know, financial mm. interactions within families. And a trust is a very um, a useful mechanism of dealing with where you might have concerns in that area. Now, I have to put the usual caution on that, is that the courts do have a discretion to look at trusts but at the same time, it is a way of managing these things and giving you a certain amount mm. of flexibility. I'm but just I'm, one, I don't think I've heard anything yet that makes it completely different from a will, though, John. I mean, is it completely different? Is yeah, it? It, well, for, for starters, it it literally kicks in after the will is, after you've died. Right. So therefore, it, it's a separate legal Entity, if you like, or a mechanism that comes into right. play. So it's obviously doing stuff that can't be coped with. In well, you a see, will, the will, it? the will, a will will simply say, "Do this, do that, okay. do the other, give so and so this, gives whatever." Whereas a trust says, "Okay, I want little Johnny and I want Mary to benefit, but I want the trustees to manage how they benefit." Okay. So it's a way of controlling the outcome if you know what I mean, yes, and managing yeah. it. Right. So, for example, in a lifetime trust, you know, because I always said to people that when you're doing succession planning, and this is, I had this, somebody threw this question up to me, which is the usual question that, that you would expect to know, how much does it cost to make will? And I, said, and I always say, well, it depends on what kind of a will you're talking about. Mm. But I think we often underestimate, and myself included, how much thought has to go into succession planning and how many things you have to take into account. But I often say to people, you know, there's kind of three boxes that I have when I'm looking at succession planning. The first box that I look at is having enough in that box to look after yourself. So before you start trying to do any succession planning and looking to the future and looking at mechanisms like trust and things like that, you need to ensure that that there's enough there to look after yourself. Yes, of and because we're, we're, we're living, thankfully, a lot longer now, that's a very serious kind of 
forward planning cash flow mm. scenario. But assuming that you've done that and that's that's sorted out, the next thing then is to try and see what you can do during your lifetime rather than leave it to a will, which is back to your you know, your question, what's the difference between a trust mm. in a will and a will per se? But you have a lifetime trust that you can do as well. So you, during your lifetime, you can actually look after uh, whoever it is you might want to benefit. And the idea of that and the benefit of that is that you are able to give people, your children, I mean, often it's children, mm. and let's just give that example, that you can release funds to them when they need it, as opposed to when you die. And I mean, yes. in my case, I'm going, to wait, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be 100 when I go, so my kids will be equally... <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be almost <laughs> retired so yes. the idea from my point of view is the second box i.e. try and have facilities to release funds to your to your children during the course of your lifetime when they might need it and a discretionary trust is a very very useful vehicle for that because you can release capital sums through a trust but but the beauty of it is uh, is that you can manage it so you could be for example you could i could be one of the trustees in this lifetime trust which means i maintain control so in the case of family businesses that's a very good way of dealing with that situation mm, mm. because you maintain control but at the same time you're able to benefit uh, the people that you want to benefit but i mean the yeah. reality of it is that you know trustees in a discretion trust, have absolute discretion. So, and that's mm. the one and important what, what, thing you need to think What happens with the qualifications of the trustees? Because you could well have a large sum of money that might correct. be managing of some correct, kind. Correct, correct. You know? Which is, uh, that's a very good question. And it's a question somebody asked me only Friday we were talking about this. And we were, I was discussing it with the client and I was saying, in the case of where there's a substantial funds or if there are substantial assets or if there's a business involved, uh, which was the case here, the client said to me, but sure, you know, who am I going to appoint to do that? And I said, well, you can obviously have professionals uh, as trustees. And that is the situation that you'd be looking at in that scenario. Because obviously, if there's a sum of money and you need to make sure, mm. you, can, you know, because we, we often think when we're doing wills and appointing trustees and appointing guardians, in the case of a trust, you can apply what they call a protector. And the protector has the role, if you like, of protecting the assets in the trust or guiding the trustees as to how they might do something, etc. So, but And don't forget as well that obviously trustees will have the, the ability, not never mind the ability, they will have the wherewithal to look to professionals for advice. Because when you're dealing with trusts, Again, when you're dealing with all of anything to do with business or management funds or whatever, you're going to have to have access to a various number of kind of mm. experts that are going to deal with it. I mean, there are very few people, I think, that you could put into a position that would know all aspects of a trust without consulting, you know. Of course, that's very interesting. Um, if it's a lifetime trust, I presume you can add to the content of the trust all yeah, of the time, can correct, you? Yeah, correct, correct, yeah. correct. And I mean, what you, what you would... What you would be the kind of mechanisms of a trust is that you what you would always ask people to do um, is to do a letter of wishes because you see because it's a discretionary trust and because you're giving the discretion entirely to the trustees as to how I mean like it's a big decision to make 
but it's also, that, as you say, it's really important who you appoint as the trustees. Now, obviously, trustees have a responsibility mm. to carry out the trust in a way that's not negligent and that there's no fraud or whatever, but mm. leaving that aside for a second, I mean, you wouldn't be setting up a trust without having a very clear instructions to the trustees. So part of the exercise would be sitting down and literally documenting what exactly it is you'd want to achieve in it, you know? It's very interesting indeed. John, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors uh, today talking about trusts. Uh, We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie What is... Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now on our social media pages this morning, we're asking you what you think about the possibility that nightclubs could remain open until six in the morning under new proposals being brought forward by the government today. We've been asking what you think uh, on Facebook. Here's just a small taste. Uh, Caroline was on to us saying, I think it's wrong to have nightclubs uh, stay open until six. And what about pubs um, that uh, they should not get to stay open until 2.30 because pubs close the doors but there's still people in there until late. Jim was on to us to say we have enough alcoholics in the country as uh, we are and absenteeism from work is bad enough. Siobhan says uh, they want people to uh, cut back on alcohol. Meanwhile, extending opening hours. More mixed messaging from our government. Bernadette says totally out of touch. Nobody can afford to go out. Now, if you want to add your comments to any of our posts uh, this morning, just go onto the Tip FM Facebook page. And we're asking this morning as well uh, whether or not COVID vaccines should be added to the childhood vaccination programme. So we'd love to hear from you. Now, over half, that's 56% of people believe that companies that have a pet-friendly policy are more attractive places to work, according to a new study published recently. The study also found that more than one in four claim that a pet-friendly policy would influence their choice of where to work. Well, Marie Lee is our vet from Aravets in Tipperary Town. She joins me now. Marie, good morning to you. Morning. And uh, good to talk to you. Are you surprised by this research? More than half of people... uh... Um... Not really, no, because, um, well, I put a video up on our, our Instagram this morning before I came on and all of us here have our dogs at work with us. So, um, now, I do have a policy that's one dog per person, so nobody is allowed to get a second dog because okay. we're running out of space. Right. But, although, um, but, of course, you have the facilities, I suppose, for exactly. to have pets at work. We mightn't have here, for example. So what do you do about that, Maraid? I, I think I suppose like I can see it from po- both points of views because like obviously I own this place and you know um, I'm the manager not the I don't know what to call myself the employer or whatever <laughs> the proprietor but, uh, right yeah yes. <laughs> um, so I can kind of see it from both points of view like you know I guess the dog can be a distraction um, for people when they're at work um, you know where they need to go to the toilet or they need to be fed etc etc so people are at work to do a job um, so I can kind of understand that um but then from the other point of view like people enjoy owning pets and um you know the pet if the pet like 
it, it, I suppose you have to have a policy like our dogs here. Now, Milo is kind of the exception, but um, he's sitting behind the desk. Um, but the other three dogs are crate trained, so they're in their crate, and at lunchtime, you know, they'll go for their walk or do whatever. Um, the dog has to be well socialised. You don't want a dog that's going to attack other people or other dogs in our situation. So, yeah, Well, there's some people around here I'd like to see the dog attack, but I'll, I'll keep that to myself. What, what do you think, um, what is necessary within a company uh, for to make a dog friendly? Um, so I, I would I would say like creating them um, that somebody will be able to create their dog because then you can kind of put them wherever they want. Um, that's what we do here. Like mm-hmm. the, the three dogs here now are happy out sitting in the crate. Laura, our nurse, got a puppy there about two or three weeks ago and he's doing great in the crate but like he can see the other two dogs, you know, are nice and settled right. in their crate during the day so he's learning from them and um, so I do think you'd have to have a facility to be able to put them away like you couldn't have a dog roaming in an office you know yes. um, it depends on the it depends on the workplace um, I know a few schools have a dog in it but like you obviously couldn't have every teacher bringing their dog to school with children you know mm. and you might have the um, most friendly dogs but when they get together they might dislike one another exactly and like a dog is like having a child like you know mm. they're going to look to play they're going to want to go to the toilet they're going to want to eat their breakfast their dinner mm. they're going to want to be involved in whatever is going on so if they if that's able to fit in with the with your with your workplace of course that's amazing or else if it's totally going down the line of pet friendly having like an office with your with your crates or kennels or something for them to go into um during the day um mm. like i'm just not sure if it's the ideal situation for a dog to be in all day as well do you know um whether or not you know, having a dog in a kennel all day at work is any better than having them at home. It depends on the dog, doesn't it? It does depend on the dog. But at least, you know, they'd have some company, whereas at home they're, yeah. they're on their own. So I suppose there's... there's it's a that. difficult one. I think every workplace has to assess it themselves um, and see what way it would work. Yeah. And then, like, if one person's having their dog at work, where does that stop? If you have, you know, if you've, like, 50 employees in an office and you have 50 dogs, do you know? <laughs> almighty, yeah. It, it, it could be uh, chaotic, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, um, or else having a few, maybe one day a week where um, it's pet-friendly or something like that, maybe. Yeah, well, that sounds more reasonable, I, I think. It is a bit of an employee's market at the moment, and, you know, yeah. uh, companies are doing their best to attract uh, quality people. What are the advantages for somebody having a pet at work? We, we, we've talked about the disadvantages. I suppose stress and maybe performance and things like that, having their pet there, getting out in the middle of the day for their walk with their dog, um, knowing that their dog is settled in a happy place rather than being at home probably reduces. You know, it's given, I guess it's given people the opportunity to own a pet in a situation they may not have been able to own a pet before because they couldn't leave the dog at home all day, so therefore they can't have a pet. Yes. Um, and we all know we all know the health and well-being benefits to having a pet in general is. So I guess it's given people that opportunity, unless big companies can offer a doggy daycare situation where there's, um, you know, where there's a special area where pets can be minded in a proper dog-friendly area of the building um, rather than yeah. the dog is sitting in the office with the owner um, mm. then if it's individual offices who's to say that there's anything wrong with having a little crate set up in your own office um, with your dog but, you know I don't see any issue with that I'm just thinking open offices where you could have 50, 60 people employed or more 
where yeah, does it stop? I'm sure, I'm sure that's where the problem will be. Uh, one of our listeners making an interesting point, though. What if you had somebody on the premises who had a fear of of yeah. dogs? I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? See, all these dogs would have to be well socialised and they would, in my opinion, they would have to be crate trained. Like, you will have to be able to put your dog away mm. in a situation like that where where someone doesn't want to interact with your dog. We can't expect everyone to be on the same page yes. about it. So you can't, like, you couldn't have an open office with, like, 10 dogs roaming around. Do you know, that's just not going to work. Yeah, somebody else saying that it's not just dogs or pets. What if somebody wanted to bring yeah. in a pet snake? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is like where does yeah. it stop? Where like the company stop? policies, yeah. like you know, yeah. um, we're definitely at our limit of pets in the clinic anyway. Right now, we definitely cannot accommodate <laughs> any more pets in the clinic. So that's it now, um, as far as you're concerned. Yeah. yeah, like, but like you see, the girls are great. Like the dogs stay in their crate, and then they go out to the toilet, and they go, they you know, at lunchtime they might come up and have lunch with us or whatever, and they. They pretty much all get on. Um, puppy has to learn a few manners, but Milo's doing a good job there. And <laughs> so, you know, they get on fine. Yeah. And um, so that works. Um, and like we're in a total different situation. We're in an animal situation. Of course, so, yeah. But you're saying if it was I, a bigger office or something, it could it could have it. Yeah, uh, I think problems. like if it was a bigger company like Google or one of those and they wanted to get pet friendly, the only way I'd imagine it is like that. Like they'd have pet care facilities on site, you know, that people could bring their dog to the pet care facility um, and have uh, it mined it there. A crash, you know, that's a crash for dogs. Doggy daycare, yeah, like that's become quite popular. Um, I think personally I prefer to send my dog to a doggy daycare than bring them into an office full of dogs where maybe potentially they're not socialised or there's going to be issues. I suppose it's interesting. Mairead, always good to talk to you and thank, thank you. you and good morning to you. That's our vet, Mairead Leahy there in uh, the very dog-friendly Arabets in Tipperary Town. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. And uh, welcome back to TIP Today. One of our listeners thinking it's absolutely stupid to go down the road of having dogs at work. What next, says one of our listeners. Well, I'll tell you what's next. Delighted to be joined in the studio by singer-songwriter uh, Martin Cosgrave. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning. It's lovely to see you today. And likewise. Um, you have a brand new single out. Well, it's kind of special, isn't it? It is. Um, if you don't mind me saying, my, my, my debut single, you featured on it. Mm. Um, and thank you for that. Yeah, um, you're welcome. And, and we've, that was during COVID, I suppose. Mm. Um, and here I am, I suppose, a year or so later. And it's my first original release. Mm. And it's called Blended Family, uh, which is more of an American term. Mm. Uh, I suppose we'd say step family here. Right. So, um, yeah, me and my, she's outside in the car waiting, so I say beautiful partner, Adele. Uh, I won't get in trouble. Um, we, um, yeah, we ha- I have two uh, kids myself and she has a daughter and we welcomed our baby Hannah into the world six months ago. And um, and I suppose 
to, to explain blended family, as I say, it's more of an American term, but it was uh, people just kept saying to me, "You've you're such a beautiful blended family," and yes. I was like, "Okay, blended family," and it it kept sticking in my head. And the fact that I'm a singer songwriter, it, it's what I do. Mm. And even driving up here, I was saying to Adele, "I'm I'm I'm already planning the next song in my head," you know, yes. uh, and. I just started jotting down a couple of little things and, and out of a conversation that we kind of had, I was just kind of saying how blessed we are. You know, look at them, look at you, look at me, look at what we have. And the chorus came from that. From that, yeah. You know, and and I went from there, yeah. And we'll hear the song in a little while as well. But it can't be completely rosy, does it? Because, I mean, okay, you love somebody, that's fine. But you're bringing kids from, from both of you as well into the equation. And is that... I mean, does it cause a little bit of concern, shall I say? Um, I, I laugh because, yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, like, like, we were meeting for a couple of months and when we started to get serious, we were like, okay, you know, we'll introduce the kids. Yes. Uh, which we had done, but it was like, um, mammy's friend, daddy's friend. Yes. And as, as, as the months went on, we introduced them and we kind of, we actually, we, do you know what we did? And I'm glad we did it this way. We, we left it up to them. We said, you know, Mammy and Daddy are friends. Would would you like us to be more? And they were like, Yeah, we want you to be boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, so we left them think that they put us together, and um, and it was great. And then obviously the the, the as you say the two different dynamics the kids yeah. get their own personalities and get used to each other. And then there's tiffs and there's arguments. And they're like, Oh my god, <laughs> you know. So it's like it's trust me. It's when two people are in love and and the kids are in love and they do love each other and we all love each other and Hannah has 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 made that bond stronger um it's it's great yeah. but it has its moments I'm you sure know, it as has, any family does as any family would, you know course, but yeah. obviously you're you're introducing two families to, into one as the blended family and it's i i can only say from my own experience yes. that it's probably tougher than your typical family because right. you know, because you're introducing those different personalities. Yes, and you know. and you know, I mean, it's of concern to you because I mean, you, you, you love your wife and and fine, but you don't necessarily know that the kids are going to love each other. But as it turns out, it turns out great. You know, it is, and and like that, we we, we met you there uh, one time there in the yes, restaurant, you know, in, and the kids. And, place, yeah. Yes, and 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 the kids were delighted to meet you. And when I told them we were coming on this morning, they were actually. They were, uh, they, were, they were, they were excited about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's you know, as I say, it, it would have been a concern. But as, at the moment, it's 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 going great. Um, touch wood, um, and and the music is going great. Mm. Um, look, we're happy. We have our moments. Life is good. You know, right. I, I can't is, complain. Isn't great? And the kids are aware, of course, of the music because they're very much part of this as well, aren't they? They are. Um, especially when I wrote it, I was like, okay, I need, I needed to keep it. Um, it was written more personal. And I said, right, this is not really going to work. And I, so I kind of rewrote it to make, to make it more generic t- to the world. Mm. And and I also got, um, through my social media, Martin Cosgrove, um, I I reached out to, uh, I suppose, I didn't know how many blended families were on my social media. Yes. But as I put the video together, I got loads of pictures from America and Australia, um, New Zealand, Canada. Um, and I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is, I was excited. Yeah. Because um again the song was involved in the podcast in America. Um and uh, yeah, I I'm I'm excited for the song and I'm excited sorry no friend, I'll probably jump between no, 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 questions. Not at all. I'm, de- I'm delighted you are because <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm doing this this gig for years and years, but I don't think we've ever had a discussion about 
blended families. Can I know? just jump in on there? Do you know what now as well? When as I researched it, and I I couldn't find a song with the title "Blended Family." Alicia Keys was the only. It was, it's called "Blended," I think, but it's the only song that had been written about, if you want to call it the issue. Mm. Um, and I was even more excited. I was like, okay, why hasn't someone yeah. written about it? Um, like I'm only Martin Cosgrave, local singer, or whatever. Mm. But then you've got these famous. Um, artists who are in blended families mm. um, and I never heard the song even you know but so that got me excited and the, the 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 lyrics are beautiful the story is a lovely story and as you mentioned the kids the, the three kids sing at the end um, mm. I'd love to say a cappella. it's all over the place but it's cute <laughs> and it's lovely it's very cute and lovely I'll tell you what we're going to have we're going to have a listen to it uh, right now so this is the this is available by the way it's available on iTunes and Spotify YouTube all the links yeah okay this is Martin together we had different families both promised to someone else but that wasn't meant to be we took it slow slow as we could but the universe pulls you to me now we're here with a blended family You're perfect to me Look at them, look at you now, darling Look at me We're so happy in our blended family We both had beautiful babies Our first priority
we're so happy in a blended family. Isn't that brilliant altogether? You must have had great fun recording that. Did you we did. Do you know the way people say don't work with um, dogs or kids? Yes. Yeah, so we spent half an hour in the studio and I got him out as quick as I could. I was losing the will to live because Diva's like, you know. I can well imagine indeed. Yeah, take me back to Eurostar. When, when was the Eurostar? Uh, 2004. 2004. Yeah. yeah, so I entered as a solo and yeah. Phil Coulter, uh, Linda Martin and uh, Louis Walsh, uh, they put a band together called Final Four mm. and I was one of the, the lucky guys and um, we, we lasted a few weeks in the show and we again got great support around the country and we ended up going out to Eurovision that year as that winner's backing vocalist. Uh, which we had actually already worked on the song. They wanted back and vocalists, so we did the demo for the song, not realising right. it was going to be that song. So we were there prepared and we went out to Eurovision in 2005. Great experience. Unbelievable, yeah. is all I can say. It's, it was a dream come true, because um, I wish I would have watched Eurovision for years and Johnny Logan would have been a hero, mm-hmm. you know. And um, just to, to, I still see it to this day. As when, when someone says Eurovision, I, I can picture myself on that stage looking out at my spot on the wall that I just smiled at. I couldn't see anything in the darkness, but we were all just told, lights, look yeah. at that, pick a spot and smile and sing. You know. And that's and, what you did, yeah. And that's all just, it. Just remind us, where where was that again? That was in Turkey. In Turkey, yeah. right. Yeah. That was in 2005, yeah. Yeah, great experience. Yeah. Won't forget and, it. And is it in your head that millions and millions and millions of people are watching this right now? Do you know what? Um, it was only afterwards I was told that 350 million yeah, people worldwide. Crazy. Between, uh, yeah, crazy. So uh, they probably didn't tell us that for that reason. But um, <laughs> no, uh, no. It, do you know what? You're there to do a job. At the end of the day, you're there to do a job. So um, it's three fast minutes. Um, just stand there, smile at lads, and sing the song. Yeah. You know, and it was a proud moment for me and my family and and, yeah. and my local community of Palace Green. You know, so of course, those yeah. three minutes can be life changing if you're the singer. They can. You know, can they can. Yeah. yeah. Which now I've often been asked, would you go back to Eurovision? And that a tough question because as you said it could go either way yeah it could be the start of a career or the finish all right so you wouldn't jump at it you'd have to think about it I, i've you? been asked and and I, and I know people um that have put songs forward and i've often talked about putting songs forward myself so i wouldn't rule it out but right okay. now no right right now no i'm going to concentrate on my own original stuff and put some more music out right. which i'm working and on. is that because your revision gives a certain there's a probably a preconception about what somebody's at if they're doing your There is already, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Subconsciously there is, you know. Yeah. And someone could have been uh, in this game 20 odd years like I am mm. and as I say, you could just go in and you could uh, enter that competition and it could be the end of your career. Yeah. Unless you're young and willing to travel, you could have a great career, you know, in, in, in outer Europe, you know. Yeah, what is the story with? Because I I was reading some of your your, your online stuff, and I I got the impression that you can be a little bit annoyed that it's very hard to get national coverage of new songs and Irish artists and that sort of thing. Are you a little bit annoyed about that? I'm. Yeah. Do you know what? There's often times that I've just decided I'm I'm not doing it. I'm I'm I I can't physically. Mm. Now that you're after asking that friend, I'm nearly, I, I, I'm getting a small bit upset nearly because I'm like, I, when I do get frustrated, I'm like, I'm, I'm here trying my best. I think the music is good enough and I believe in myself. Why can't you just give me a chance? Mm. You know, just listen to the song and give it airplay. Like, do I need a manager? Do I need an agent? Do I need yes. all these people behind me for you to listen to this yeah. and take it on board? And uh, and I'm talking about the national radio stations, you know, and I have physically walked to their doors and knocked on their doors Um many times and I won't stop doing that because I'm just driven you know right. um, but it does get frustrating 
Um, I, like I put it to you this way, it's myself and my partner, when we get a few pounds together, we'll put it into a bit of music and I'll go into the studio and I'll work with my, um, my production team in Atlanta, right. Georgia. And then we have to sit and push it. Yes. And it's hard. Yeah, it's hard when you're kind of, um, there's only a few of us involved in, in a small little team. You know, but when you've when you've got the big guns yeah. with the money behind them, because it's the impression is, Martin, when somebody like you brings out an album and with the Eurostar behind you and all of this, that there's some record company picking up the tab here in mm. some way. That's not the case. No, that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. No. Um, no. Look, I will say one thing: social media has made it that bit easier, but sometimes it has made it harder and frustrating when you see some of your stuff that's not being shared. And I don't mean by your followers, but by by just in general. You know, you see mm. you have to put money into this and your heart and soul and your passion into it. And when you don't see it being spread out as much um, mm. as you'd like, it can, as I say, it can get frustrating. And then, as you say, when the, when the nationals aren't picking up on it. And that's why I appreciate moments like this, friend. Mm. Like... Th- this is, for me to be sitting here talking to you. It's it's um, I'm so grateful and it's mind blowing. Yeah, well, you know, because we're, we're absolutely delighted no, to I'm have d- you. Of I'm, course, yeah, thank you. Did you make use of COVID, Martin, in terms of creatively? I suppose is what I'm thinking. Uh, I, I did by yeah. accident, really. Yeah. So like since 2004, 2005, I took a I took a break. I settled down. We had kids, and then um, I hate saying going back to that whole COVID world, but I sat at home and uh, like we all did for the, the, the few months, and I said up a music page by accident because my kids and myself we were just entertaining ourselves and entertaining people on my own personal page we were just dressing up and singing songs and then I started I had equipment at home I said let's make use of it so I started putting out songs as a Tuesday tune and it went from there to someone saying you should record this song and that's how I met yourself yeah. Uh, yeah. through Joe Gallagher and Gaff Studios and um and we released my debut single on the back of that, which was a great success, by the way. And uh, and again, I had Dave Keery on board as well, who's Ben Morrison's guitarist. Yes, and that song went to number one on the overall iTunes. With, which is with, which like, yeah. It's in there with Ed Sheeran and Julepa and all these. And my brother rang and he said, you know, your song is at number seven. And I was like, I, I didn't care about charts. The achievement was getting the song out there. Yeah. And he says, no, it's in the, the mainstream charts. So, so then I jumped back online and I was like, come on. I, <laughs> I was like, it was like, yeah. a, like, like, a, like a horse race for me. It was a, and it got to number one and it stayed there for 38 hours at number one. Is that incredible? That's huge. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. That, yeah. is, that is worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know? And then I was like, okay, let's go. It's This is happening. And then it all just kind of got hard again and yes. tough again and I was like oh I can't do this I'm, oh, yeah. you know yeah. and on that same week um, I was on with Moira and, and Dahi on, on, on today uh, did our today show on RTE yeah. and Daniel O'Donnell gave me a write up on his Sunday World so it all happened that week so fast I was like it's happening it's happening yes. yeah. and as I say it's um, it slows down again and then you have to go again it's but I, only for I love music so much. Yeah. I probably like I'm 45 and uh, a young 45 by the way mm. but at this stage, you think I would have packed it in, but when it's inside of you, you and you, you have that passion for music, and now that I'm releasing my own stuff, you know, it's, yeah. um, it's newly set. Uh, it does make it all more special when you are releasing your own stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Like I have more stuff written now in the next couple of months. I ha- it's already done, and it's some some great songs that will really pull at the heartstrings as well. And I can't yeah. wait for people to hear them. Well, we're looking forward to having you back when whenever you release Thank new you, stuff. Friend. You're always welcome here Thank for you. for for certain. Um, Blended Family, that is the new one. Again, if people want to buy that, just go on. So Spotify, yeah. iTunes, and uh, again, my social media is Martin with a Y because I'm being all passionate 
and fancy and stuff. So yeah, Martin Cosgrave uh, music. Yes. Martin Cosgrave music. Uh, you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. All right, very good. We're going to have a listen to the debut single. Uh, if you could read my mind uh, before we go, but uh, to wish you the very, very best. And if people with blended families want to interact with you on, on social media, they're welcome to do oh, so. Oh, they can, of course. And yeah. I, again, as I see myself, uh, there's podcasts all over the world. And it's only when I did my own research I realised this. Yes. Um, so, because I suppose people need advice as well, mm. you know, because it, it is not easy. There is times, I suppose, that people will walk as well, you know, because it, it can be tough. One of the blended families actually have 10 kids that are involved in the wow. video that you see on YouTube, um, you know, and, and they look happy in the picture. <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, if anyone, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very good that way on social media. If anyone wants to reach out and, and just have a chat, I'm, I'm very good that way as well. You know? Terrific, Altia. Well, it's great to see you. My best to you and the blended family. Friend, you're a gentleman. Well. Thanks so much for Thanks this. Thanks very much indeed, Martin. We're going to uh, finish the show today with Martin and the debut single, if you could read my, my mind. And uh, thanks to Emma for our production. Thanks to Ali, who looks after our content. And thanks to uh, Katie, who looks after her, our Vox Pop uh, today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye now.
tale In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet The story always ends Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 